This is the Dreadful Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Penny Dreadful, Season 3, Episode 3, Good and Evil, Braided Bee. To our discussion about Penny Dreadful Season 3, Episode 3, Good and Evil, Braided Bee. Look at you turning into a romantic poet. <laughs> Is that romantic? I'm not sure whether you want to have good and evil braided together. Do you? Probably not. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I actually did think that this was going to be a quote from another Victorian poet. Mm. Um, maybe so, Tennyson, maybe someone Yeah, else. exactly. Uh, but... I didn't find any reference to it right. uh, in my searching. This is from the great poet and writer John Logan. <laughs> it, it could be, but what always happens when a TV show uses a quote from a poem, especially an obscure poem, is all of a sudden it's only the TV show results that come up in Google. <laughs> well, that's true. You, know, you have to really search hard uh, in case uh, in case it might be somewhere underneath uh, somewhere. But we will say that, as always, this episode was written by John Logan, so potentially he came up with the name uh, just completely out of nowhere. It certainly feels like John Logan using his literary uh, genius. Yeah. Either that or it's out of Dante's Inferno, I, I would guess. <laughs> well, maybe. But as I said before, I am no poet. Let's just jump straight into the discussion, John. Uh, the episode was directed by Damon Thomas once again. Three in a row. Yeah, three in a row. Directors 3, Season 3, Episode 3, Good and Evil Braided B. Lots and lots of rhyming, John. I like yes. <laughs> Maybe you're the poet. No, I really am not. <laughs> really, I'm not. Do you want to tell us what the summary for this episode was, then? Sure. The creature returns to London in search of his former family. Some Malcolm and Kayetne continue to track Ethan and Hecate, as does Inspector Rusk, with the assistance of Franklin Orsto and his deputies. Dorian and Lily continue their tutelage of Justine in the acquisition of power. As Vanessa continually struggles with the mysterious forces tracking her every move, the beleaguered witch meets a creature of the night who divulges details and clues to her past and says that she has met his master before. Hinting it was in the Banning Clinic, where she spent five months previously. Ooh, you see, season three wrapping all the way back around to season one. Yes, exactly. Wasn't a very good decision by uh, someone to tell Vanessa uh, this, this connection. No, not at all. Whilst I absolutely approve of his choice of telling her in the, the mirrored uh, foreground attraction, oh, yes. which is always great for a horror. Going off script, shall we say, against the wishes of the master mm -hmm. doesn't end well for this poor familiar, no. um, unfortunately. So no, I suspect the boy familiar that we've already seen will now take his place. Oh, possibly, yes. Yes, yes. because... He is thrust aside quite violently and then fed upon by all the familiars Everybody. in the warehouse. Yeah. Either that or Renfield's going to take his place. One or the Maybe. Other, I guess. Um, yeah. But I think if 
Renfield showed up at the uh, doctor's surgery looking like that, I think Vanessa would be very much on the ball to realise something wasn't quite right with Renfield. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, but I loved... Um, I love the decision to have it in the House of Mirrors uh, at the foreground. Um, it is one of those classic um, scenes for anything to do with horror where you just have your own reflection coming back at you and then you see someone that you either shouldn't see, don't want to see, mm-hmm. um, and then you don't know which is the real version of it uh, cool. because of the mirrors. It is just pure classic and i thought that was a great little moment from this episode and the vampire being able to be seen in a mirror which they're not supposed to be able to be done well that's it but he's not a vampire he's a familiar familiar, exactly so uh so a nice little touch there that's uh, able to do that yeah well that was one of the things i was trying to see with dr sweet Mm. as well was did his reflection show up in the mirror and i think it did yeah but i i think think that's fine. It would be very hard to work in the National uh, Museum surrounded by glass if he didn't reflect in that glass. Somebody would notice pretty quick, wouldn't they? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and also my um, little joke on Dr. Sweet for this is obviously he takes uh, retribution on the familiar for um, going up to Vanessa and spooking her effectively mm-hmm. um, because on the basis of that, she effectively goes cold uh, towards Dr. Sweet. So dare I say it, um, that he's a little Dr. Bittersweet uh, at this, um, at the moment. <laughs> Never prepare the joke or underline that it's going to be a joke. I know. <laughs> but what else can I do? If I just said Bittersweet, it would sound like the musings of someone who should be in Bedlam mm-hmm. uh, with Dr. Jekyll uh, injecting me with his various chemicals. But <laughs> I, I needed to set it up, even okay. though... It was a terrible joke. <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. Uh, let's get on to our big moments from the episode. What's your big moment from episode three of season three, John? I've kind of hinted at this before. It's the creature um, remembering his his past. Yes. And not only that, um, but beginning to follow up on, on his history, on mm-hmm. his past. Um, and I, I really like seeing the unfolding of uh, the backstory uh, like this. You know, we've seen it in snippets of the earlier episodes where, you know, um, he sees his son ill in bed and that gets him to uh, effectively snap the neck of the kid on board the, the ship that's um, uh, locked in ice. That's right. we, we see him coming to this apartment in Chinatown. It, it, it's, it's actually quite a nice moment because he sees Vanessa and, and Dr. Alexander Sweet and he smiles because he recognizes Vanessa. And even though he's about to go over to her to say hello, and then Alexander Sweet comes in, mm-hmm. and you're kind of thinking, will he take this as a form of rejection? And he doesn't. He's happy that she's happy. Exactly. Because that's what he is looking for. Um, and it, that that's a really nice moment. But in this moment, I think it's in, in Chinatown, He's suddenly drawn to this room above um, a Chinese uh, restaurant um, in Chinatown. Uh, And he goes and inquires about the room to see who it is that used to live there. Mm -hmm. Are there any records? And he's not getting any form of uh, help from from the guy. He's kind of fairly trying to fob him off, really. He's like, you either take it for what 
10 shillings mm-hmm. um, a month or get out. Um, and this is because, you know, we've seen his memory coming back to him where he, he sees his, his wife and his son in this apartment with him during happier days. And I, I like then that this uh, contrasts where um, as, as he's trying to track down where they've gone, the people who used to live here, he tracks his wife and son down to the workhouse. Mm-hmm. They are destitute um, and his son seems like he's got consumption as well. But the, the, there's a great moment where he's looking through the rafters. He's gone up into the loft of the workhouse and he, he he's spying on them. It, you know, it, it calls back to him spying on um, the actress in season one. Mm-hmm. But you, you know that this is different. Uh, there's a moment where you see like the old wooden ship on the the window ledge um in the room um and you'd seen it previously in um their flat above the the Chinese restaurant That's in right. Chinatown and all these memories uh flooding back to the creature mm. and he decides to support them by robbing the rich you know so he's becoming Robin Hood almost he's, he's yeah. robbing the rich or at least at this one time to give to his his family to at support least he's not them snapping the necks of the rich to give to the poor well that's true yeah um and I just think this is really nice you know that they find this money and he's looking at them from the rafters again uh, from the loft uh, and you you see the warmth filling him at in, in terms of this good deed I suppose for me, the thing is, will this simply end in another rejection for the creature? You know, the ones that he loves, he's, he's had rejection from Victor at birth. Uh, Lily didn't want uh, to, to, to be with him at yeah. all. Uh, neither did the actress led him to being um, kicked out of the theatre by mm-hmm. Vincent. The daughter of Mr. Putney, Lavinia, uh, at the Waxworks, you know, he thought she was kind and ended up really just fulfilling her dad's evil plan to mm-hmm. effectively put him behind bars and make him part of his gruesome act. So he's always found his kindness uh, or the love that he wants to give is a curse, with the exception probably of Vanessa. Um, and I'm just there going... Will this end in that being further solidified in his mind that his his former wife rejects him because of how he looks or his son or the fact that maybe because of his death, that's why they find themselves in the workhouse? Or is the rejection one from the fact that they're both dying in some ways, at least with his son? I I think this could be really, really interesting. Mm. You know, this is almost like a seminal moment of the creature's um, continued evolution of his, um, his feelings and, and so on. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm kind of a little concerned for him that it's just going to be another rejection, rejection. from the ones that he loves or, or gives love and kindness so easily in, in this sense. Yeah. So, um, I thought this was really good. On the flip side of that though, I, uh, I love the fact that Vanessa is also remembering her past through mm-hmm. um, the 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 new method of hypnotism that Doctor Seward has suggested that um, she uses, so that they can see um, into the past. And this is certainly coming from the warning from the familiar, who says that you have met the master before mm-hmm. in the 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 great white room. 
And uh, you get this great um, hypnotism where Vanessa begins to remember and the great white room being the padded cell of the Banning yes. Clinic. Uh, really, yeah. really great. Yeah. Um, but what do we find here? We find an orderly bringing her her evening meal. And it is the creature. It yeah. is John Clare. Now, would she have, do you think she's recognized John Clare? I'm wondering uh, as the orderly because he he does look massively different from what we've seen in John Clare. He looks much more like the original actor, obviously without any prosthesis. Uh, yeah. So he looks completely different, I think. So would Vanessa have recognised him when John Clare gets his uh, memories back? Will he recognise Vanessa uh, from that past as opposed to from? The, the many conversations that they've had in, in season two. It, it's an interesting, um, interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Because I can't think that the creature is the master no. in, in, in this situation. But do, I, I like the fact that their paths have crossed beforehand, mm. given uh, the intimacy underneath the colorific arches yes. um, of London, yeah. uh, which w- was really, really nicely done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and unfortunately, you've just said a second ago that the only person that never shunned him was Vanessa. Now, potentially, <laughs> she has a reason to shun John Clare. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he may, unfortunately, be left all alone uh, after this revelation as well. But it was great to see Dr. Seward using this technique, I suppose, this technique of hypnotism on Vanessa to bring her back to this to this state bring her back to the Banning Institute because um, it was a formative moment in her life, you know, and, and hearing her tell these stories to uh, to Dr. Seward, um, who is treating her like a patient that she will try and cure and will try and help. So uh, so hopefully this, uh, this hypnotism will help her out, but um, an intriguing one. Uh, if she does connect it with the creature, if she does connect this person that was feeding her while she was there, Will she accuse the creature of being the master now? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, there's a lot of intrigue here, and mm. I, I like that there are these consequences coming from the creature discovering his own path. That Vanessa's doing the same thing, and that at least unbeknownst to him at the moment, mm. he doesn't know that their paths have previously collided, exactly. even in that small way. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, weirdly, my big moment from the episode I've already talked about. Uh, I talked about it previously about the uh, uneasy alliance between Hecate and Ethan. Uh, so I'm actually going to talk more about um, Lily's plan in this episode, I suppose, because it is revealed in this episode about yeah. what's actually going on. Uh, great scene back at that wonderful table in the centre of London, uh, which we know is in Dublin Castle. Um, but that, that the table where... Uh, Herself and Justine are sitting down looking at the protests that are happening from the suffragettes. And you know that Justine has slightly been uh, brought into this plan, this idea of the women of London rising up against their oppressors. And you see Justine kind of going, why don't you just join up with them? Or Lily responding to an unbidden question, I suppose, from Justine going, well, I'm not going to join up with suffragettes. We may have the same enemy, but their placards won't work. Uh, I love that, that idea that she says the only way of getting power is by going out and taking it and doing it silently and doing it behind the backs of everybody. That's the only way you're going to do it. If you stand out and go with blackguards, you're going to make yourself a target, which is the one thing that Lily doesn't want to be. She wants to make sure that she stands on the ruins of the men of, of men of London. So uh, I really like that, that whole conversation between the two of them as they're 
bringing Justine into their their group more. Um, we have the massive scene between the three of them. We have uh, Lily and Dorian and Justine uh, having sex in the blood of one of her victims. Like they have Justine yeah. kill uh, kill a man in their apartment, and then they have sex in the blood. And it's it's almost a ritualistic thing where they induct her into this gang by making her kill this person, and then they all have sex together in this moment. You know, it's a it's a really startling kind of image. In, in it some is. Way. It's hugely startling. It's like um, you know, Dorian talks about. Um, that Justin must prove her worth. That, as you say, it's like this induction. Uh, Dorian talks about the Navient nuns offering their their breasts, uh, cutting them off, mm. you know, again to reduce temptation. Or the Roman uh, legionnaire uh, bathed in blood, you know, to kill the killing of their enemies. Um, and uh, yeah, the killing of her former slave master that we saw at the start of episode two. Like, it's really, really brutal. Yeah. Um, because you, you don't see the stab wounds, but she's, she's going pretty crazy stabbing him sort mm-hmm. of just at the top of the chest or around the shoulder. And then the camera pans back and you see these, it's really good, like, makeup the way they've done it. You see the, the puncture wounds from her knife as she unleashes her rage against her former uh, captor. And mm-hmm. then you have this kind of blood orgy between Justine, Dorian, and and Lily. Yeah. Uh, I, f- I found it very very Carrie-esque, actually, mm. uh, them draped in this blood. Um, I thought it was it was really shocking, yeah. um, very startling image, um, all for this this induction uh, into building this army of um, all the unseen women who pass through this great city of London. Exactly. You know, and it, it connects back to their conversation between Lily and Justine. You know, how do you accomplish anything in this life? By craft, by stealth, by poison, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and as you say, so the suffragettes really are not the example that Lily wants here yeah. at all. This is building an army an army of warriors, but followers. This yeah. is this is almost cultesque, um, in, in a sense. Yes, and it's even down to Lily's. My favorite quote from the episode, actually, from Lily: "Just the liberty is a bitch that must be bedded on a pile of corpses." Uh, it's the real essence of who the Lily character is here in the show in this in this third season. So, uh, really enjoyed that scene. But uh, but that's my big moment from the episode. My second big moment because the other one I'd already talked about before. <laughs> well, it really is a big moment, the Lily Dorian thing. This is when you realize how far it's gone for these two uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. What a very startling and intriguing route this has gone. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, I would be slightly worried maybe if I was Dorian. Uh, without a doubt, yes. Um, I don't think that she's making any intentions that he's a leader alongside her uh, by any means. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I think he's, he's maybe providing his house and money. Uh, in some, in some <laughs> yeah, senses. exactly. Any notes from the episode that we haven't discussed? I'm sure there's loads, actually. Um, yeah, for me, just the title "Good and Evil Braided Bee" is this conversation between Victor uh, and uh, and Henry uh, about whether, again, it comes to this duality: whether you can um, be both, which is what Victor feels, is that you can have both aspects of light and dark within you. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas Henry Jekyll says, no, we are one or the other. We must play our role. Mm. Um, so, you know, 
it it's really interesting. I, I think it's also a reference to um Jekyll and, and Victor uh combining yours and my work they describe that this is good and evil braided be that mm-hmm. the works of the two of them will be meshed together. But they certainly have different views on uh whether that can actually work or whether um they are both or one or the other so i I, I really like this i i, I find it a fascinating kind of uh concept yeah. of, of this idea of being good and evil or good or evil yeah um, i wonder really which uh which one of them will think of their work as good and which one thinks of their work as evil well that is true <laughs> that's true as well yeah. uh, just a nice touch of the episode obviously we we talked about it before the curing of mr balfour and now we have the interrogation from victor to find out whether he is truly cured or whether there's been something uh done by uh dr jekyll um yeah, how quickly did you think that was going to drop and how quickly did you think uh, Victor was going to have his, his nose bitten off by, by this guy? Because <laughs> yeah. it goes fast when he changes back. It, the the cure that Dr. Jekyll has created only lasts for a few hours is what you find out here. Um, but, but I like that Jekyll's kind of saying to him, just step back a bit, Victor. Yeah. You, know, you are pretty close to this guy. Uh, and then there's the snap and it's instant. It's yeah. just as instant as the transformation to uh, the good version of Mr. Balfour, uh, the transformation back. So um, nice, nice little horror moment. Yeah, also. definitely. Jump, jump scare. Yeah, definitely. Um, Just coming on the Hecate, I I like the fact she puts on the fatal English charm as she takes out the farmer and the farmer's wife Mm -hmm. as they steal the horses. And I like that as well, back in Cascabel, in the saloon where you've had the um, unleashing of Ethan's uh, wolf uh, on on the, uh, the saloon, that Inspector Rusk can identify that there were two people involved here. You see the animalistic ripping from yeah, Ethan, mm-hmm. yet uh, a couple of the people killed in um, the saloon were done by Hecate in a much cleaner, less, uh, you know, more precise manner, I suppose. Yes. Yes, and he even I think he even says to this new lawman that's working with him that he needs to believe in the occult. So... A slight change from Rusk in season two, or I suppose development of Rusk in season two. We talked about the fact that he's willing to follow any lead, no matter where it takes him. Now we're saying, now we're showing that he knows where it leads him. It leads to the occult. It leads to things yes. like werewolves because he's aware of them now. So, uh, so willing to, t- to now tell other law people, guys, you know, don't discount anything. You don't know yeah, what's, what absolutely. could be out there, you know. Um, that's it for my notes for the episode. Anything else from you, John? No, that's all from me as well. Yeah. Overall, what did you think of the start of start of season three of Penny Dreadful? To be honest, I've I've really enjoyed connecting in with this. I think it's a little more fragmented. To be honest, mm-hmm. it, it's you get snippets uh, of of different parts of this world in, in quite small chunks. But after a couple of episodes, they're, they're forming a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's normally how these things work. And maybe it's just because it's two of us. But it fa- felt really difficult to pick out big moments because mm-hmm. actually it's a lot of uh, small moments accumulated together. And I think that's why I've been trying to pick things from episode two when I discussed Dr. Jekyll's arrival uh, for my main point for episode one. Mm. Um, otherwise, you'd miss out on some of these things. Yeah. I think the touch with each character is 
um, much lighter than in the past mm. uh, seasons. I think it might be that we, in, in episode one, have seen the first and last time we see Mr. Lyle within Penny Dreadful. Maybe. I hope not, but sure. I, I have a feeling um, he will be much more peripheral now in, in season three, which mm. is a shame. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm I'm loving the new partnerships and how they're having to um, cope with or or develop outside of that. I suppose the relative um, companionship of the previous company. I was going to say safety, but I don't think anyone's ever really no safe no. uh, in in this show. I'm mean, very intrigued by this dark, twisted route for for Lily and Dorian. I'm loving the fact that you've got Dr. Jekyll in there. I really mm -hmm. want to see how that develops. And I like how he's been paired up with, um, with, with Victor Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And of course, having, uh, Renfield and Dr. Seward, you know, the, these stalwarts of the Dracula tale, uh, reshaped and, and repurposed here by John Logan is just really, uh, nicely done. Yeah. And in particular that Dr. Seward, um, is a relative of Joan Clayton, mm -hmm. uh, the cut wife of Ballantry Moore. What a great, great idea. I think at the moment I would give this four bittersweets out of five. Mm -hmm. I think it's still absolutely high quality, um, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it just takes a little bit more time to, to get used to a, a slightly different pitter patter of how the episodes go. Um, but certainly, uh, as well, uh, I love Wes Studi here, um, as Kayetney. Yeah. You know, uh, and him pairing up with some Alcum. And I, I think that's it. You want to spend a bit more time. You want, I think maybe you, we've been used to John Logan lingering with the characters mm -hmm. and really getting that luxury with them. And here, because of geography and, and so on, you, you're moving around a lot more. Yeah. I'd get um, that, yeah. you know, and, uh, certainly with such a large ensemble now, uh, that means your time with them is a little more fleeting than, mm -hmm. than in the past. Or it's, it's the, the time is, is accumulated over the episodes. And yeah. so, um, I think that's why I've been, as I say, been just trying to sort of accumulate it together in a point on one of the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would give this four bittersweets out of five. Ah, that's Doctor Bittersweet. Doctor Alexander Bittersweets. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed the start of season three, but I, I do feel this impending sense of when does it get bad because this still feels like the same show as season two it, it feels exactly the same to me and feels like it's the same characters uh, we know a lot more about the characters so everything has a bit more weight to it everything that, we, that we're seeing in this season it feels like you already know everything about the characters so when something's happening you're going oh i remember when that happened to the character which you didn't have as much of yeah when you started the show because you didn't know much about them so now we're into season three we're introducing new character introducing dracula you know of all of all people um so we he also comes with his own weight as well you know dr jekyll comes with his own weight and own yeah. backstory so you're right i do want to spend time with all of these characters but they all come with a lot of knowledge in my head as to who they are so uh, i'm expecting things to happen as the show goes on whether that happens or not i don't know but it's a good start to the third season of the show as to where we are right now definitely and um, I, I think one of the things as well is you know christian uh, camargo who plays dr alexander sweet i think 
his portrayal is really, really good. It really pulls on that charmingness of Dracula that he can that almost mesmerism of what vampires do. Mm-hmm. That it's almost like he's mesmerizing Vanessa with his charm yeah. in, in pure daylight. Oh, absolutely. Um, There's even that scene where he has the uh, the local women of the community coming in to watch yeah, one, of his, exactly. one of his lectures, and you can tell all of them are just there because. He's Dr. Sweet. We've got to go and see his lectures, even though uh, they have no interest in what he's talking exactly. about. Exactly. <laughs> it, 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 you know, the, there's a real, the, there's a suave sexiness there that he's pulling on and um, that is really good for, for Dracula, mm-hmm. um, I think. It, it really connects in with that sophisticated charmer and mesmerizer that Dracula can be, you know, and not just the grotesque. So I I think that's uh, a a nice thing. And I think it links very much back to uh, what John Clare says, you know, that the devil comes beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. a siren. Uh, So, you know, it connects in with that quite nicely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us for our discussions for part six of Penny Dreadful about season three, episodes one to three. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. You can also sp- subscribe to the Dreadful Podcast at dreadfulpodcast.com. Uh, leave us a review if you listen to us on any podcast catcher that has the ability to leave reviews uh, you can also subscribe to the main podcast at tvpodcastindustries.com we've covered lots and lots of stuff we're almost at 500 episodes of tv show coverage uh, so loads and loads of stuff there for you to listen to on the various shows definitely you might be interested in we'll be back next time with our discussions about penny dreadful season three episode four thanks so much for joining us talk to you next time yes thank you so much fellow darklings for joining us as always it's a pleasure speaking with you remember Keep watching, keep listening, and importantly, keep screaming. Bye. Bye. Bye.